My name is Bear Siragusa, and this is the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. Join us as we go deep discussing hounds and everything hound-related with the men and women from around the globe who've dedicated their lives to hunting with hounds. We ask them about the game they pursue, the breeds they run, and they get their insight into what it means to be a modern-day houndsman. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Leave us a comment and subscribe wherever podcasts are available. Well, you're the first Mainer I've done, um, I've had on the podcast, despite the fact that I'm born and raised in Maine as well. Where, where, where about? Yeah. I was born in, uh, I was born in Lewiston, but, uh, grew up in Winthrop and then, okay. um, grew up over in, uh, Lovell, like Lovell, nice. Stowe, Freiburg area. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Down there, down there in the Western mountains. That's right. That's right. Yeah. But. So where are you, whereabouts are, are you guys located? Well, of course, Sam's in Florida. Yep. And, uh, and I'm up here in, uh, Vassalboro, just outside of Augusta. Oh yeah, and, sure, sure. Yeah. And then my lodge is up in Wellington near Parkman, Wellington, Guilford, up around the Moosehead Lake region. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Spent some time. I spent some time up there and, um, when I was working for Outward Bound. Okay. I did some stuff. Uh, I, I did some canoe expeditions and things like that up there. How's everything going for you out in that country where you are now? Yeah, here in Norway, it's going well. Uh, just uh, just got my deer yesterday, last night, late last night. So was happy to get that in the freezer. And uh, we, uh, I was headed, I was going to head over to, um, was headed over to Sweden to to do this bear hunt that I was going to be a part of, taking my plot and going over there. Um, but the borders closed up on me right as I was leaving. So. Uh, had the p- full packed car and everything and had to, uh, huh. had to just call it a day. Yeah. What do you have? A young plot? Yeah, I do. Uh, I've got a plot from, um, uh, from some way back. If you go far enough back, he's got some Ursus, uh, stuff that they imported a dog over here in the early two thousands from Steve. And that's been kind of one of the foundation dogs over here, but then somebody else imported some, white deer from texas okay. so this uh this pup is from is a, out of those two those two things um nice. so yeah it's uh you know the the genetics over here are not we, we don't have a lot of the lines over here but it's getting better every year somebody just brought over a couple of um of, of uh what's his name hoskers dogs okay. uh from nice. and uh yeah no it's uh the plots are getting pretty they're they're the premier bear dog over here for sure you know there's there's well, not much that can compete with them there sorry no I, hi sam hey i'm back there sorry. you go okay <laughs> we we didn't realize you were gone we thought you might be there in the background <laughs> we, we started talking plots right away and kind of lost track of everything else i love it <laughs> <laughs> So what, um, Sam, tell me a little bit about, uh, uh, about yourself. You've got a, I contacted you. It's kind of a long story of why I contacted you. I wanted to do, I've been wanting to do one with you for a while. And then, um, um, Brett Vaughn talked to Samantha and put us in contact with each other. And we were able to get this, uh, get this squared away really quickly, which was great. Okay. Sounds good. So Um, I'll tell you a little bit about. Please do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I started I started with hounds uh, probably oh sixty five years ago, uh, <laughs> back wow. when I was a little fella. When I was a little fella, you know, and uh, 
walking home from school one day, big tall Jimmy Erkenbrack, and I said, Jimmy, what are you doing after school, bud? He said, uh, well, I'm going to run my beagle. Oh, I said, nice. What is, uh, we didn't say cool then, we would say nice. Yeah. And I said, what, what, is, what, is that, what does that mean, running beagle? He says, well, I take it to the woods and it finds a rabbit, and when it starts barking, uh, the rabbit makes a circle and the rabbit comes back, and, uh, and that's what I'm going to do today. And uh, I said, Jimmy, do, do you mind if, if I come along? And he said, no, absolutely, join us. And I went and heard the dog open up on the rabbit and made a circle, like he said, and it came back. And ever since that moment in time, I guess uh, something happened in my brain. And uh, yeah. that was the end, that was more or less the end of me and the start of uh, running hounds. And uh, I've been and I've been doing it. I've been doing it ever since. And that's how I started hound hunting uh, years ago. Okay. So you, you started, did you start with beagles as well? Your first hounds were beagles as well? Yeah. I used to uh, raise and train beagles up in the Adirondacks as, uh, as I was growing up. And then uh, after a four year stint during the uh, Vietnam crisis, I came home and uh, continued on with the beagles. And then uh, we got transferred here to Maine when I was a young fellow, like 22 years old. Then when I got involved, that's when I got involved with plots. Yeah. Um, started with an old timer by the name of Jimmy Wentworth, who couldn't handle this big rugged male plot he had because he had heart. Jimmy had heart condition, so he okay. had me. Uh, he had me do it, and uh, that's how I got involved with plot hunts. Been with him ever since. Gotcha. Okay. Wow. So you've you've been really consistent with the plots since oh, yeah, 50, years, the last 50, 50 years. Fifty years. Yeah. Yeah, last 50 years. And, uh, you know, we had Brandenburger plots back in the day and uh, they were cold nose, hard training dogs. Yeah. And they've just always, they've always suited me as, as far as big game hounds, because then I, of course, was on, I was into coon. And then from coon, I switched to uh, bobcats and bears. And I've been doing that ever since. Right, right, right. I saw on a video that you did at one point that you, you don't do a lot of your, you don't do a lot of breeding. That you end up buying uh buying dogs from uh fr- from yeah uh, established right. kennels yeah uh actually uh, i don't buy any dogs either for the most part uh my dogs uh i receive from a gentleman by the name of danny luke danny is uh, a world-class plot hound breeder and hunter mm-hmm. Danny trees uh you know a lot of bears a pile of bears every year he lives over there in the vermont new york border and danny's been breeding uh plot hounds for most of his life and he started with a gentleman by the name of Dwayne Smith who's a plot hound hall of fame member now that's deceased. a name I've heard yep that's a name I've oh heard. yeah oh yeah who was an equally hard hunter and uh and Danny was a protege of uh Dwayne and started his stock from Dwayne's dogs and then Danny's just kept it going and then I joined the party when I uh returned uh uh back to Maine from Florida where we spent 17 years down the Florida swamps hog hunting. Yeah. And then uh and then I hooked up with uh with Danny and Danny Danny doesn't as a rule sell any dogs. Yeah. Uh, but he does provide uh who he hunters who he feels are going to not only care for him but hunt him. Right. And uh that and that was me. So the majority of the dogs that I got since we came back here from Florida were Danny Luke bred hounds. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. And, and uh, aka Dwayne Smith right 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 okay wow wow so you you i mean you found what worked for you and just just ran with it that's awesome yeah that's now, awesome I, I occasionally do have a litter and i do breed 
Um, and I also go off of that. And I, I have uh, currently, uh, uh, I currently have a dog that's a Coles National Cat, cat Hound out of uh, British Columbia that okay. uh, originally was sent to me by Hyde Vanderkamp up in British Columbia, who's uh, uh, actually the protege of uh, Dale Cole, Cecil Cole over in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And these dogs have been these dogs have been bred for bobcats for the last eighty years, and uh, okay. and, and 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 called hard. So that I I currently have one of those now as well. Okay, that's that's really interesting. That's really interesting. Do you? I mean, given the choice between bear and bobcat, are you? Do you prefer the bobcats or do you like bears? Well, let me do it this way. My uh, email address is maincathunteryahoo.com. I picked up on that. Yeah, that's why I was asking. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I I am a cat hunter that that bear hunts. If that makes any sense, that that makes sense. You know, it's it's the funniest thing. I watching all of listening to a bunch of these podcasts, talking to a lot of uh, a lot of people, watching the old Bruce Kennedy uh, interviews and and things like that, where he asked them, you know, if you had to choose between a bear running bear and running lions, what would you choose? And all of them said lions. Like there's, and that's the funniest thing is between cats and bears, everybody I've talked to, they always say they'd always rather run the cats. Well, there's a good reason for that. And, uh, and my, in my particular case, uh, that reason is I feel that the main bobcat, bobcats in general, but main bobcat, which is my, where my experience mostly lies Mm -hmm. is the most difficult big game animal on the planet to either catch or trade. Okay. With with a hound. What makes okay. them that difficult? Well, a whole bunch of reasons. One, uh, snow conditions play in our part of the country a big part in whether you can even run a cat or not. Uh, cats are uh, very intelligent when it comes to being able to lose a dog. They don't have a lot of scent like a bear does. So they, they there's less scent. There's uh, there's a trick. It's a trickier animal. It uses a lot of technique to escape that hound uh mm. circling for example uh circle and then jumping off that circle or backtracking on that circle and leaving the hound wondering where he went and then sure. that because a cat has small lungs if they don't stay on that cat consistently and oh i love the shirt love the shirt uh, <laughs> you can see <laughs> <laughs> i can and uh, they'll elude the hounds that way and then once they've regained their their, their wind they can line out indefinitely before hound, most hounds even know that they left the circle. So mm, it takes mm. a very intelligent dog to run a bobcat. Uh, not that, not that it takes a, not that you don't have to have that same wherewithal to run a bear. But let's face it, a bear's got a lot of scent. Uh, a bobcat doesn't. Sure. So, uh, so it's the first far as sporting goes. Bobcat's number one on my list. That's interesting. I'm really looking forward to exploring that a little bit more um, myself with my with my plot, Dan, because that's that that was the original reason that I got Dan was because um, I wanted to hunt lynx. We've got the big European lynx over here. Uh, we don't have any bobcats. We don't have any lions. But the one cat we have is the lynx. And that's I've wanted to hunt that. We have a hunting season for them here with a quota. So it's, you know, it can be over. It can last for two months or it can last for six hours if we fill that quota exactly exactly yeah um, see here here we're very fortunate we have unlimited number of cats and we can harvest uh, oh, once wow. our what what our, what our limit actually is is snow conditions uh we sure. hunt primarily 
totally on snow because our season starts December 1st, the end of the bear season, excuse me, the end of the deer season. Mm-hmm. So we're December 1st till about the third week in February. So we may not even have December if we don't have snow conditions. Right. So that'll leave us January and February. And then that's, of course, the harshest part of our winter, which, another, which is another reason that makes cat hunting more challenging as we're, we're doing it in many cases on snowshoes under adverse conditions and thick cover, mm. uh, snow falling off the trees, fall me- snow melting, crusty snow. I mean, just a lot of things against you when you're a cat hunter. Absolutely. It, it, in other words, when I wake up in the morning during bear season, whether it's training or harvest season, I can go bear hunting every morning, regardless. There, there's no weather conditions that can stop me from bear hunting. Right. When I'm cat when I'm cat hunting, every condition can stop me. <laughs> right. So so that's what makes it challenge. No, it takes a, in my opinion now, and strictly that, it takes a hundred or two hundred bear dogs to come up with one cat dog. Is that very, right? Wow. Very, very seldom will anybody ever have a good cat dog. They might that's run cats. They might run cats and they might track cats and they yeah. might chase cats, but to catch a cat. It takes a cat dog. Right. And, and and the definition of that is uh a dog that's tenacious, it's it's cold trailing, it can handle a rough track, it can mm-hmm. outsmart the cat. I mean, it goes on and on. And now when we get to the tree, there's a whole new set of circumstances. Most game climbs up a tree from the base of the tree and climbs up the tree. A bobcat mm-hmm. doesn't do that. A bobcat's gonna leap 20 feet in the air before he hits the side of that tree. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yep. Me- me- minimal scent. Now, can the dog locate the tree? That's the next problem. If he was ever fortunate enough to put enough pressure on the cat to get it to climb, can he locate the tree that he climbed in, which sure. is now, which are now all covered with snow, and he's up there 30 feet in the branches. Even if he locates the tree, are you going to be able to see him? Sure. <laughs> so it goes on and on as to why cat, cat hunting is the number one sport for me. Absolutely. No, that sounds, it sounds like the, uh, it sounds like the ultimate test for both, you know, the quality of the dog. I mean, it's just, it sounds, sounds perfect. It sounds like exactly what you would want to do to see, you know, what, yeah. what you had on the ground. Yeah, for sure. That's, uh, yeah, well, well, you know, bear, and then it just gets more difficult as we go because naturally cats are going to be where the feed is. So if right. you get into a thicket that's completely covered with deer because of a deer yard, this cat, this big cat went into it. You know, I like to consider myself to be what I call a big cat hunter. Mm-hmm. Uh, by that, I don't mean I'm a big cat hunter. I'm just a little fella. But when <laughs> I when I like to run big cats, and since I can see their tracks in the snow, I know a big cat from a small cat. And that right. big cat very well maybe ended up in the deer yard. Now, if you got right. 50 or 75 deer in there stomping out his track, that dog has to contend with that as well. Right. So it goes, it, it just gets more and more difficult as you get into it. So if anybody considers the sport of cat hunting, they should be prepared to, to tough it out because it's gratifying, but it, right. uh, it's not, it's not for everybody. Not for everybody. Gotcha. When, when did you make the, cause you said, you said you started out with beagles and doing the rabbits and then you did, and then you said you were coon hunting for a while. Yeah, and then correct. you mentioned also that you were hog hunting down in Florida. Yeah, but when, before that, when did you start doing the 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 cat hunting? Okay, well, the cat hunting was back in my twenties when I first okay. went, and and the same thing happened. The first time I looked into a cat track, I hunted with a, a professional Maine guide here by the name of Sonny Wade. 
and Sonny Wade was a world-class guide. He's now, uh, now he's, he's got a little age on him. So he's, he's in a nursing home the last I know, but Sonny, okay. Sonny was a world-class uh, cat hunter and one of, one of the best bear and cat hunters in the state of Maine. And, uh, when I went with Sonny uh, the first time and looked into a cat track and his lady dog opened up on that cat track and went, I was a cat hunter from that point on. And I just never looked back. And um, it's, it, it's, it's kind of mystifying about uh, this, the art of cat hunting is that once, once you start, once you start, it's very addictive and uh, it gets more addictive as time goes by. And even now, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a middle-aged 75 year old cat hunter. Okay. So I, I, I've been, I've been doing this for about 50 years Sure. and, and, uh, I love it the same today as I did when I started. So I graduated. Oh, that's, that, that, that's the reason we actually moved back to Maine from Florida was because I just couldn't be away from the cat hunting any longer. I had to get back here. Okay. Gotcha. Wow. wow and that, of course that's the amazing. bears, the bears have always been interwoven into the cats. So the dogs are not, they're not stagnant very long when they're not cat hunting and the training season rolls around and it, it's bears. It's bears right. until we start cat hunting. Okay. And, gotcha. and in my, and in my case, bear, they have to do both. I keep a small number of dogs that currently have six or seven. Where's my wife? I'll give you the real number. She's not here. <laughs> she, she, she's not here, but it's, it's, it's a few. So with yep. that small number of hounds, I like to be able to keep them in the woods as much as possible. They don't have right. to be they don't have to be great at both. They don't have to be great at both cats and bears, but they have to be great at one and good at the other. Right. Okay. If does that what does that do for your for your kennel? Do you have a lot of dogs that you you try out and 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 move back, you know, move move on, or do you end up having a lot of success just being out there as much as you are that they, that, that most of them pick up on it pretty quick with the good breedings behind them and stuff. Well, yeah, exactly right. Starting out with the good breeding to me is everything. I mm. mean, that just going to enhance your possibility of getting a good cat out. And then from there, I start every pup on rabbits. They all start on rabbits. If they don't do well running a rabbit track, they won't do well running a cat track in my opinion. And, okay. in, and with my experience, so when you say dog, pop, how old are we talking? How old are we talking four, here? Pop's four or five months old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. At, at, at four months old, they're in the woods on rabbit. Okay. In fact, right now I'm in a uh, hiatus because of our training season has stopped and our harvest season on bears hasn't started. So there's two and a half weeks when you can't run bears in Maine between okay. training, between training and the actual hound season. So there's 19 days approximately where you're not allowed to run bears from okay. the law, which in that particular period of time right now with my two pups that I've got on the ground right now that are five months old, mm -hmm. those are on rabbits at least once a day and many times twice a day. Oh, that's great. Early morning and late afternoon, early evening. Now, if they show there, then they go on to, in this particular case, just by, by the way it's falling, these dogs will be ready for cat season on the 1st of December. And I'll switch them right from rabbits to cats. Okay. Once, and once on once on cats, very seldom, rarely will they ever go back to rabbits. Is that because right? I'm, I'm running in rabbit thickets all the time. And, and I never, I've only had two or three instances where they've ever bothered a rabbit after I've had them on big game. Yeah. Yep. Huh. That's interesting. That's really interesting. What, um... 
when you make the switch to when you make the switch to the big game, how how do you go about that? Is it is it putting them on, putting them in a pack with experienced dogs that are not going to bother the rabbits, or how? What does that transition well, from rabbits to big game look like? Okay, remember, none of our none of our dogs. When I say our dogs, my dogs. When none of my dogs are actually go hunting, they're never cast. They're never free cast. They're always mm. put on something, whether okay. it's a bobcat whether it's a bobcat track in the snow or if it's running off a of bear bait or if it's a strike off the truck mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm rigging with a, with a, with a first class rig dog, with a straight rig dog. So when that dog rigs that bear, I know I got a bear track right there. Sure. So if I'm putting them on bear, they're going with the rest of the pack. Right. If they're, if they're going on cats, they're going on with another dog providing I have another dog, which I normally do. However, if someone didn't and could put them on a cat track in the snow by themselves, what I would recommend is they walk the cat track up <coughs> with the dog on a leash. And mm-hmm. once they jump the cat, turn it loose. Once they jump the cat, turn that pup loose and away he'll go. Guaranteed every time. Okay. Gotcha. Don't turn them loose. Don't turn them loose and expect them to stay ahead of you on the cat track and not bump something else because he probably will. Right. So you'll, you'll have pups on cats their first, their first winter. If it falls like that, if it falls like words, that, yeah. On, on their date of birth. Now, for example, these pups were born just right. They were born like the first of April. Yeah. So they're going to be seven months old come December. Yeah. Mm. They're going to be, re- they're going to be ready to go on cats. Sure. 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 Okay. What about, uh, what about bear? When, uh, do you have a, how old does a dog need to be for you to let it go on, uh, okay. on bear? These do- these pups here in the last of October, maybe the last two weeks of October, would actually be old enough to be put on bear. They're mm-hmm. going to be like six or seven months old. However, I won't do it then. Uh, I've got a- I've got dogs. I'm going to run on bears, and they will they won't go on bear this year. They're not quite old enough. And what okay. I don't want to have happen is to have these pups get hurt on a bear early in their life, and then mm-hmm. that's it. That can turn them off forever. Sure. And so I don't have any need to do that. I, you know, there's nothing to prove and there's nothing to gain by putting these six, seven month old puppies on bears. Will right. they go? Yes. Will they run a bear? Yes. Will they tree a bear? Yes. They'll do all the things necessary to run and tree a bear. However, they could also get hurt and there's no need of that. Sure, 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 sure. That makes sense. So that it makes would sense. Be, and I would really prefer to start them on the cats after rabbits and coon, I do want them on cats before I run them on bears because right. they're running, they're running a whole different, there's a whole different scenario on that bear track. There's a lot of scent blowing back in their face. Their heads are back up in the air and away they go on that bear. Whereas the cat, it's pick, 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 go, pick and go, pick and mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. here, there, everywhere. So it's a whole different run. And that's the reason for the rabbit training early on is that they can gain that kind of experience so sure. that when they do switch to cats, they got an idea of what's going on. If you put them on sure. bears first, you put them on bears first, they may not have the wherewithal to run a cat. Right. They might think, well, why yeah. am I doing this when this other thing is so easy? Right. Huh. One of the one of the things I've noticed is that there's this misconception. Uh, I've, I've noticed it's popped up recently on Facebook after that. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that kid in, uh, in uh, Carolina, Nora, sorry, California that got attacked by a mountain lion and uh, they're starting to talk about um, you know, maybe not opening up a, a hunting season, but maybe doing some hazing and that kind of thing. And people are reacting, people who don't 
really know what they're talking about are reacting that saying that the cats are the cats are so rare that it's you know it's an endangered species etc cetera, etc cetera, which is absolutely not the case um but i can see why people would have that you know that misconception you know, i lived in maine for 20 years uh or more than that 20 20 21 years um and i saw a bobcat two or three times you know so if you if you went by how many i saw you could get the idea that they were rare but you know you guys are you guys are out after you know a lot like there's there's quite a few of them in maine or am i am i wrong no you're exactly right and uh, in fact right now in maine there's more cats than there have ever been there's more cats because now what's happened is they've spread their range out from just the the thickets uh the rabbit thickets in the northern part of the state to now because the turkey population the cat population has spread to all areas of the state and you yep. can literally find a bobcat track now anywhere in the state of Maine. so mm-hmm. there's many very rarely do i ever go out and not find a cat track right so so 50 years ago it was a different deal it was three o'clock in the morning four o'clock in the morning pounded roads with a two-cell flashlight and, <laughs> right. and hope nobody was in hope hope nobody was in hoping nobody was in front of you because for god forbid if there were tire tracks in front of you you automatically assume they were cat hunting because you became very paranoid about somebody getting on that fresh snow before you did. <laughs> right. All right. But, but, but now it really doesn't matter because as, as the cats have spread out their geography, so have the hunters. Right. So, and, and even with the advent of GPS and the higher number of hunters in the woods, they're still spread out enough now. So it's not a fact. Sure. Okay. So there's more, and there's plenty of links to go with those bobcats. In I was fact, just going to ask that. Yeah. What is yeah. the uh, what is the link situation in Maine at this point? <laughs> Probably like the lion situation in California. We got all kinds of links. Yeah. <laughs> there's 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 links. I can find a lynx track is quicker than I can find a bobcat track. Now, not in the same area. They haven't spread, although they have spread south. They're not as far south as the bobcats are. Okay. So do you run links as well? No, you can't run lakes. They're protected, and they're even protected against uh, even just training. So there's no running of lakes. Okay, gotcha. Period. Gotcha. Right. None. 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 Yeah. No. And and as far as and as far as mountain lions in Maine, controversial subject. We might as well hit on it. We're talking absolutely about the number of the cat. In my opinion, no mountain lions in in Maine. Is that right? Now, how did you? How did you arrive at that, Sam? Well, there's approximately <laughs> 11 snowstorms in the state of Maine. Yeah. And of those 11 snowstorms, myself and all the cronies that I hang with and the gentlemen that I know that cat hunt cover those storms for as many days as you can possibly look for a track. Sure. And nobody that I know of has seen a mountain lion track in the state of Maine. Now, right. what they have seen are lynx tracks that they wrongly assessed to being a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. Even some guides will say that's a mountain lion. No, it's a lynx. Now, if there, if there was, there's no physical evidence, not only in, in my case, but the, the uh, national, uh, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, I guess National Fish and Game, uh, Fish and Wildlife, has declared the, uh, the lynx in the state of Maine an extent. Now, they, they were here years ago, 100 years ago, there were mountain lions in Maine. Sure. Today, there's no breeding population, in my opinion. 
No. There, now, does that, that that doesn't mean that a lynx hasn't wandered in here from some other place, or excuse me, a mountain lion hasn't wandered in here from some other place. Mm-hmm. That's possible, but no breeding population, and they have they have a range of two hundred miles. So you would think that some cat hunter somewhere in the state of Maine that I know would come across the mountain lion <laughs> would have seen one. Yeah, sure, absolutely. So if they're here, they're they're very talented. They're able to fly. <laughs> Uh, uh, it sounds, I mean, that's, that's the funny thing is that, you know, you, I read all these studies and I'm always curious who, are, where are they getting their information? Who are they getting their information from? Are they getting it from wildlife biologists who, you know, are, are, you know, p- professional, well-meaning, intelligent, intelligent folks, but maybe do not have the time on the ground that, you know, people like yourself have, um, you know, if I, uh, I, I'm going to trust your word on a lot more than I'm going to trust somebody who was there and kind of looked around, looked under some stumps for two weeks. And I was like, no, there's none here. I think that makes, uh, I think that makes sense. Yeah. It makes so, sense. What, um, yeah. One so, thing somebody, I, would, somebody would see, somebody would see something. Right. Yeah. You would think when I was, um, when I was growing up, there was a just crazy, um, rabies epidemic happening in Maine. Um, ha- has that calmed down a little bit at this point? Or is that still? Yeah, very calm. I, I haven't heard of any rabies uh, incidents here uh, for a long, long time. I mean, years and years. Yeah. Uh, is it eradicated? No. But I mean, very rarely do we ever hear about you know, somebody every once in a while, there'll be a rabbit, a fox or a, a skunk, a raccoon. Uh, somebody's popped and, and uh, attacked uh, somebody's family dog and they shot it and sent it off and there's rabies. But it's mm. it's it's a more of a rare incidence than a common one. Sure, sure, sure. That's good to hear because it was uh, it was in the early '90s. It was bad. Yeah, yeah. in the no, early '90s, a, it was uh, uncomfortable. Kind of had to keep an eye out on what was behind you when you were walking around. Yeah. Now I don't I don't cut any of these puppies loose at any time until they actually have had their rabies vaccination. So yeah, uh, just because they're they're going to make a close encounter with something before they're finished. So they all get vaccinated before I turn them loose, but no, it's never been. Ticks are the bigger problem. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh. The ticks, the ticks are unbelievable. The ticks are unbelievable. What, uh, what do you do for your, what do you do for that? I mean, do you use stronghold or frontline or something like that on? I do on the puppies, but once they get to be six months old, I use actually use cow tags. Okay. Um, Pyrex cow tags, the purple Mm -hmm. pop, they're purple. And I've never had an issue with fleas or ticks in any of my big hounds. Okay. They're, they're, uh, they, you know, I'm I'm not a veterinarian, but they last, uh, they last about three months on a dog. And uh, I make a switch two or three times a year. Yep. And never, never had a problem. Wrap it around their collar with a zip tie and I'm good. Right. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Cause the, uh, the, the ticks were, the ticks were a problem. I ran sled dogs in, uh, in Maine for gosh, I guess about 10 years. Yeah. About 10 years before I moved over here. And, uh, every time we went fall training, I would end up having to pull, pull ticks off of everybody. See, our, our, our tick situation here is, uh, from say Skowhegan, Maine. If we drew a line right across the middle of the state, south is horrible, yep. and then north and north very minimal. Yep, I I remember so, that, but I I remember that line being far even farther north. And you know, I remember when I first started sort of paying attention to ticks, it was you know it was Kennebunk. You know, thirty years ago it was Kennebunk. That was where the line was. Yeah, and then it's like it's gone north incrementally. Uh, you know, a few miles north every year, and now yeah, it's all all the way up there. 
And I and I believe too. This is again. I'm not a biologist. My my opinion is it's the turkeys. Yep. Okay. Well, turkeys eat ticks. Yeah. Okay. And then what do they eat? And then what do they do? They excrete ticks. Right. Some alive, some eggs, some larva, and now it's moved a little bit. And as the turkey population went north, like they like they did, they started down in southern Maine. Mm-hmm. And now now you can find them literally everywhere, and the ticks are moving north with them. Yeah, it's uh, it's true. That was another that was another thing that when I moved, when we moved to Western Maine, there was no turkeys there. And now you can't slam a car door without getting a shock gobble. It's uh, you know, they're they're everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. In fact, I hit one with my truck the other day. Uh, I hit the windshield and shattered my windshield. Oh my gosh. Yeah, a young turkey flew right out at the windshield at fifty miles an hour, and that was the end of it. That's not the first one I hit this year either. So, uh, so yeah, they're 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 an issue. I think before the before it's over, they'll have bounties on them. On oh, the turkeys, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Right now in the, in fall, you can actually harvest five turkeys. Any is that sex, right? Wow. Which has really gone up from like one a year to now. They just want to thin them out. Right. Sure. Yeah. But. And I love them because they're cat food. Right, and right. That keeps, the, that keeps the pop, cat population growing. And I'm all in on that. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do you, now, you do you do guiding as well. Like, that's... I do. Yeah. Very selective. Most of, okay. Are, are most of the people wanting to hunt cat or are they wanting to hunt bear? Like, when people call you, what is what are they most wanting to, to hunt? Well, because of... Uh, my situation, I guess I probably would be more known as a cat hunter. Mm-hmm. So I, I do get a good number of calls. Since there's more bear hunters uh, in general because of the conditions, most people aren't willing to subject themselves to a cat hunt, at least not on the second day that they book. The first right. day, they might be all in. Right. <laughs> but as the, as the second day, not so much. So I think it's going to, I have to say bears yep. just, just because of the way it, it, weather-wise, like I said, they can bear hunt every day. Uh, yeah, I would say bears. Right. Huh. Interesting. Tell me, uh, tell me a little bit about your current pack of dogs. You've got, uh, I, I, w- I watch your videos, so I've, I, I know a couple of the names. So I, I want to hear a little bit about Piper and those, those guys. Okay. Okay. Well, Piper was out of my fancy dog, all Danny Loop red dogs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, uh, fancy, I had a litter of four. Piper was the runt. Actually, mm-hmm. she was, she was so small that I actually would take the other ones off so she could get something to eat. And uh, she developed into being the biggest. So wow. <laughs> we always can't, we always can't go by that. And, and Piper is a level headed, no nonsense bear dog. Uh, she, uh, She's just a sweet thing. Uh, she's two and a half years old now. She can do it all alone. She treated one alone uh, last week. Oh, wow. Um, she, once her head hits that bo- dog box and she's got her head out rigging, it never comes in. Now, when I say it never comes in, I mean, if I drive to the Adirondacks from here, seven hour drive at 75 miles an hour, her head is hanging. I actually, <laughs> I actually, I actually have to hook her back further into the box because they have an open box so that it's not because I think it's cruel you know, for 70 miles an hour. She won't bring it in. Now, if it's a good strike, she'll open on a good hot strike. She's a good cold trailing dog. She's a mm. big rugged dog, solid tree dog. You can go have lunch or take to have a picnic and don't worry about getting to the tree. She'll be there when you get there. 
So mm-hmm. she's a she's a good solid dog, and she was bred by a dog named Dozer, who belongs to Danny Luke as well. And Dozer's had over fifty or sixty bears alone by himself, and he's a big, rugged, strong, gentle giant. If a dog picks a fight with him, he just simply backs off. He has mm-hmm. no interest in fighting, and this is important because when you're dealing with pack dogs, uh, you certainly don't want to have any issues at the tree or in the dog box. Absolutely, and that's and that's the kind of dog Dozer is. He's he's uh, you know he's a son of Joseph, who's another Danny Luke dog, which is where my dog stem from actually. So uh, yeah, Piper is just a and she's a nice cold nosed cat dog, rugged dog, good feet, hunt all day every day. Yep. And then there's then there is um, Sally. Sally also comes from Danny Luke. <laughs> so you hear me talk a lot about him because I'll tell you a little bit about the kind of guy Danny is. Yep. Uh, I lost a dog called Drama. I lost actually last year three of my top dogs. Oh wow! Uh, one had a herniated diaphragm who lived about six or seven months with that herniated diaphragm, and you don't know it. There's no injury that you see. Right. But what was happening was that diaphragm was opening and her internal organs were extending over a period of six or seven months, unbeknown to me, mm-hmm. until we actually had x-rays and found out that was the problem. On the day of her surgery, as I picked her up to put her into my truck, she died in my arms. Oh, wow. That de- devastating loss and, and a top dog. Hmm. Well, when Danny heard about this, Danny knew I was down a dog. Uh, he told me to come and get he had a litter on the ground. He had a three or four month old pup called uh, Sally, long, tall Sally. And he said, come and get her. I'm going to give her to you. That, yep. That's the kind of gentleman that he is. It wasn't a call. It was his best pup. It wasn't one of the pups. It was his top pup. And I right. went and got Sally and Sally's just a top dog. She's a, she's a good cold nose strike dog. She's a nice cat dog. She can stay with the best of them. A uh, good hard tree dog. Uh, right now she's on uh, injured reserve because the bear pulled the, her leg out of her hip socket. Oh wow! And she's she's on too much uh, uh, rest and relaxation right now. You mm-hmm. wouldn't know it. To, you wouldn't know it to look at her, but because that soft tissue on there has to has to heal up in that leg, uh, we'll give her a couple of months off and run her during the month of October. Oh, for sure, for sure. And now now we got the great ranger. Now, Ranger is the Coles dog, the Coles National Cat Dog, mm-hmm. who uh, in his first year, of course, the, the, the reason that he's he's here with me now, because I normally don't keep male dogs. When he started on rabbits at five months old, four or five months old, he ran a rabbit for 36 minutes without a check. Wow. There, there was never a loss of any kind for 36 minutes. In fact, I called a friend of mine from the rabbit pen and I said, hey. I said, Paul, this dog's been on this rabbit for 36 minutes, and I've seen the rabbit multiple times. He has not lost that rabbit one second in 36 minutes, which is unheard of. If you talk to a beagle or anybody else, they'll say the same thing. It just doesn't happen. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, and so the, uh, what happened was that summer I put him on bears. And uh, what, what, what he would do, and he'd get on a bear, once the bear got jumped, he would come out on a regular basis. And uh, I told a hunter that I had one time, I said, we're running a bear. He said, how do you know? I said, you see that black and white dog right there? He's back to the truck. That means run a bear. <laughs> he's, my, he's my check dog. If he comes out, we're running a bear. He said, that, wow. that doesn't sound, he doesn't sound very good. No, I said, it doesn't. I hope he does better on cats. 
Well, the first the first cat I ever put him on, he went and ran, and he's been doing it just like that ever since. And then the following year, he was very aggressive on bears, and now he's he's my he's literally my top bear dog. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and we 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 actually <clears throat> saw him ride a bear across the across the trail one day. He, oh, he wow. had the bear he had the bear by the back of the neck, so he he doesn't come out anymore. In fact, he's treated many bears alone by himself. He's done wow. so well. He, Ranger's done so well that I actually bred him to a dog, mm-hmm. and have a that's the litter of pups I got. Those are the two pups I got on the ground right now. Yeah, the five month olds. Yeah, yeah, and then gotcha. there's Pepper, and then there's Pepper. Now Pepper is uh strike dog deluxe she's my she's my top strike dog when she strikes in the back of the truck it's a bear but mm-hmm. once you put her on the ground she's so she's so mouthy and so excited on the ground that she doesn't start her own tracks i have to put another dog with her okay yep yep belly up tree dog in fact once we get to the tree because during the training season we're tying them back and, and and getting out of the woods i always tie her back last and the reason for that is the bear won't come down with her under the tree. Right. <laughs> she, she's a she, she's a screaming bear dog, and and once she's under that tree with her belly up, nothing coming out of that tree. Right. And then and then when I say to her, "Come on, we're going home, load up," she follows me out. I don't need a leash. She's a super nice dog. Oh, it's so That's, good to have a handle on a dog, man. That's it's oh, uh, keeps us in it longer. Me, I think. Well, it means everything to me because a I'm alone. So if I've got four or five dogs under that tree, who's going to take them out? Right. <laughs> and B, if I'm cat hunting and it's ten below zero and the wind is blowing and I want to go home, I want to go home. Right. And when I say let's go, they want to come, and they do. And that uh, got to have that handle it means everything. It really does. It's it really does. It's um, I was talking to um, I was talking to Doug McMahon about that once. And he said that he had it on all of his dogs apart from one. And then that dog sent him just head over heels down an embankment. And he landed upside down in the mud and was like, yep, that that's it. I'm never going to have a dog like this again. And, and yeah, there, it, it, yeah, it just, uh, it's crazy. I mean, I can't have one that won't handle. No. And I won't, and I won't. I mean, uh, you know, I had, I had, like I said, beagles early on and they never handled. And of course, we didn't have any collars either. Right. It was just a helter skelter. You turned them loose on a on a Monday, and you might not get them back. You might not get them back at all, but you might not get them back <laughs> right. on a regular basis for several days. Right. You know. So that that that's that's the pack of dogs that I've got right now. And that uh, sounds like a great pack. It's yeah. You know, it's it seems like the the guys who are really successful at 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 this stuff, guys like like yourself you know it's yes it's it's dog material it's it's you know good quality dogs but it also seems to be the the last little thing that falls into place the last brick that falls into place for for the success to really start coming is the ability to use those dogs to their potential as a pack where they complement each other and 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 are able to do um to you know create a unit that's able to get get what you want done done Amen. Amen to that. And if somebody starts with a dog and they go through that progression of handling when they're little pups, you know, like, for example, I always say to them when they're little and I have treats, you know, right here, right here, right here. And the mm-hmm. dog shows right up and the dog shows up right here and he gets that treat. Later on, when I find that cat track and I right. say right here, right here, right here, he's coming. Yep. Okay. And, and if you start with that progression of things and then the rabbits and then the coon or squirrels, whatever you're, whatever the situation is, 
and then you progressively work your way up a, up the food chain there to the more aggressive game, and you will see along the way, does the dog tree, does he trail, does he mm-hmm. fight in a box, does he do all those things, and that's how you determine whether you're going to keep him or not. Sure. He might be a he might be a great dog for somebody else, but I very rarely part with a dog, and I never, almost never buy a dog, because I start with them at the, and I don't and I don't have little puppies as a rule, and the reason being I don't want to have to go through that four week, eight week, twelve week cycle when I could be doing something else with older dogs. So right. if you have a if you have a litter that's four or five months old and I can get that dog from you, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm already got a, I've got a jump start on the process right there. So I sure. can take that dog I can take that dog right to a rabbit pen and start working them. And right. at my age, at my age, I don't want to have to wait two or three years to find out what I have. Right. <laughs> I mean that makes sense. That's that's how it ended up working out with this with my Dan dog this plot. Um, I had I had a running walker before I still have her uh the running walker and then I had a um a Russian hound walker cross um that's been my main my main fox dog he's because that that's what got me into hounds was the foxes the hunting foxes um and then I got this Dan dog um when he was four months old and it was the same deal it was just it was it just struck me it was so nice to just be able to get right into it I didn't have to wait didn't have to you know nurse right. him along make sure he didn't get himself killed he was robust and big enough at four months old to go out and i mean i'm i'm he, he was a little too robust if you ask me that dog was that dog he is crazy when he was four months four and a half months old <laughs> i uh i was walking and he suddenly left uh he, we hit a we hit a lynx track and he had been the people who had raised him had from from the moment they could sort of walk around in the, in the uh, puppy box they would do drags for them with bear and lynx. Nice. So he hit that link track, lynx track, and he took off into the woods. But then I heard instantly that his that he started barking, like that he'd con he'd gotten into contact with whatever he'd been trailing. So I'm thinking it was a I'm thinking he's trailing a lynx at four months old, which you know was was interesting, but I was a little bit worried about it. So I walk, I walk in there and it's it's not a lynx. He switched from lynx to he had bumped a young moose. So I I get my I run back, get my snowshoes on, and I follow them in there. And it took me about two and a half hours to get into him and catch up with them because they were way gone. And I get in there and he's been clearly kicked in the face because he's bleeding from both of his nostrils. And oh boy. Oh boy. But has this moose backed up into some bushes and is just going nuts baying this moose up after being after being kicked so i pull him out of there and i'm like oh, i hope this didn't ruin that dog the very next time he got a chance to run anything he he ran a moose again he was like ah i i have a bone to pick with these things so i'm having actually a real hard time breaking him off a moose right now well the good news the good news is moose are plentiful i'm assuming oh they're very plentiful i can't throw okay. a stick without hitting a moose right now okay so that's an easy fix the game that's hardest in my opinion to break a dog off of are coyotes oh is that right yeah i'll bet i can well, see that yep you don't see them so since you don't see them it's very difficult to break a dog off of something you can't see at right. least not in the summer summer spring summer fall months okay so i use a training scent and i lay a drag for the coyote and then i can break the dog off of them that way Sure, 
Sure. It's, yeah. e- it's easy. It's easy to break them off a of deer and moose and and yep. uh, other game that you rabbits, other game that you can see, but the game that you can't see is the harder. And that's and for me, it's the coyote. Absolutely. Do you have problems so I, with coyotes I, tangling with your dogs? No, no, they don't. They don't bother coyotes, and the coyotes don't bother them. No, they're okay. they're coyote broke for the most part. For the most that's, part, yeah. You know, yep. they, they they're pretty straight. They're that, you know that's the other thing. You, you're going to run and tree the game that you want to tree if you've got broke dogs and and breaking dogs is, is, is you don't ever teach a hound what to run you teach a hound what not what to not run. to run yep absolutely and 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 that's and that's uh that's where it's at for me is a is the coyote is the most difficult for me right and they like right. running them. they do like running them. so but i haven't had it we do occasionally have an issue with a dog that'll run a coyote and we we fix it that's mm-hmm. all. And mm-hmm. Thank God for e-collar, e-collars that they yeah. fix it. But, oh, man. but you know, you, you had said something that rang a little bell with me and that's uh, your dog being gritty, taking, uh, taking on the moose. Yep. Um, well, you know, grit is a nice thing. Biting game puts game up trees and that's all very well and good. Mm-hmm. But we got what we call smart grit, yep. gritty, aggressive enough, but not so much that they get hurt. That, that's, that's the, that's the fine line. It's the fine line, isn't it? Because that's where I'm. That's where I'm at with this young dog now. Is I, I, I. The last time he ran a moose, I saw that he was avoiding its front feet now, which is which is good. It tells me that he's learned something. But at the same time, I, I am a little bit concerned that he's going to be a little bit too of a, a little bit too kamikaze, and that his career may not what, be as long you, as I would like it to be. What will you run him on, Bear? Um, for the very most part, I think I'm just going to limit him to to links um and th- th- there's a couple reasons for that i was originally planning on running him on bear as well but the what we've got over here is the big european brown bears we don't have the black bears, so they don't tree <laughs> they fight they fight and w- what they also have is they've got this quota hunt so the bear hunting will start and then usually that the bear season lasts for 48 hours before the quota is filled. And that's a couple of hundred bears. Can you run bears without harvesting them? No, not, not here in Norway. You can't. Um, No no training season. No training season. It's gotta be, it's got, it's, it's just harvesting. And what, what happens is that um, it's becoming popular enough over here that like this year, um, the borders, the borders closed up, but, um, there was one county that was still open, the border between Norway and Sweden. And it was Sweden where the bear hunting happens. I and um, everybody went over there and dropped their dogs at the stroke of midnight. And the first day went just fantastic. You know, everybody had a good time. Nobody got hurt. Everybody, you know, but then because it's a quota hunt, people kept just dropping dogs. They were just took dogs and shifts. And what happened on day two is that suddenly you had bears that have been running flat out for. 36 hours and they were tired and they were angry and it, they just started this the the carnage on day two was unbelievable oh boy and it's not a i mean it's not a criticism of 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 any one person or how or you know anything like that it's just the you know reality of the situation is on day two those bears were angry and they were tired now how about and, the lynx bear how about the lynx is there a training season on the on the lynx there is a better training season on the lynx yep so that's the the lynx season here is um we don't have a ton of them you know we've got we've got a we've got a few of them 
but we don't have a ton. So the, the season for me starts my, my dogs, I'll run them on Fox just to kind of get them rolling. Um, the two other hounds I have are, are primarily Fox, Fox hounds. It's just, like I said, it's what got me into the hounds in the first place. Um, but this, uh, this plot I'm, I'll get him running on Fox and hair just to kind of get him using his head, learning how to follow a track, especially the hair can be a hard thing to track. Uh, they don't leave a lot of scent and they're, they're kind of, they change directions a lot. They're, they're pretty smart. And then, um, once the snow falls, that's the busy season for me. Cause then I'm, then I start driving and I will drive these back roads, uh, for a couple of hours a day looking for, looking for lynx tracks. And last year I drove all winter and never found one. Wow. Um, but that was unusual. We, we were a bunch of guys looking and they just, the, there weren't, they just weren't there. And I think the reason for it is that we have all these roads around this big mountain plateau, but we got an insane amount of snow really early on. And I think what happened was we got so much snow in such a short period of time that I'm betting that the links were able to find, were able to locate herds of roe deer that couldn't move. Absolutely. And just camped out at the roe deer herds. And I just, I was all over the place in there and just never got lucky enough to find them. Wow. Um, and how about rabbits? You have, you have, you have hares? Yeah, we've got the, uh, the snowshoe hares here. Yep. Yeah. And of course, that's what we have here as well, you know. Yeah. And they're great. And, I mean, they're and, great training. And you take, you know, now how about bobcats? Do you have bobcats? No bobcats. Nope. Just, really? uh, no bobcats. Just, we've got the, we don't have bobcats. We don't have skunks. We don't have, uh, porcupines and we don't have, uh, raccoons. Huh. We've got, uh, we've got lynx, wolf, bears, um, wolverines, mm. um, pine martens. We've got a bunch of those. Interesting. But um, no bobcats. I would, have, I would have loved to have run bobcat. Um, but the lynx, the lynx hunting, it seems like such a challenge. You know, it's, it's so, and the, the, dogs that are, the dogs that are doing their best at lynx hunting are, are the plots. Okay. You yeah. know, the, the, uh, a lot of people over here are very fond of the, the spits types of dogs, you know, like the, the Finnish spits and the, the Norwegian elk hound and, yeah. and, and, and things like that. And, and they're great little dogs for sure. They're just not my type. They're not my thing. You know, I, 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 I don't get that kind of, you know, I, I don't get that shiver in my spine when I hear a elk hound open up like I do with yeah. the hounds every time I hear the hounds open up and, you know, my, my other hounds, they, they're a little bit, you know, they're, they're a little bit choppy, but Dan, the, the plot is, uh, he's got this great big ball mouth. I can hear him from miles away. It's, uh, <laughs> do, it's, he, do you have yacht carriers there? We do. Yeah. They're actually real popular over here as, uh, as, as den dogs, you know, yeah, or, used, or earth dogs. Yep. Yeah. I used them in Florida on hogs. Oh, is that right? I, I hunted hogs down there for 17 years. Yeah. With yacht terriers. Oh, buddy. Well, we use pit bulls as well, but the, yeah, I, yeah. I had, I, I turned it into a mini bear hunt because I was already bear hunting here. We went to Florida and uh, I'd put a strike cage or a strike rig right on my four wheeler or on my truck. And yeah. I would get them striking hogs right off the rig. And then we'd, <laughs> we'd, turn, we'd turn the yacht carriers in. And then once they hit, once they, once they get it bait up, then we'd put the pit bulls in for a catch. Sure, 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 sure. But yeah, oh, it was cool. a lot of fun. That yeah. is a lot of fun. Those, those yog terriers are, they're, they're oh. crazy. Cause what the, 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 you know, what, one of the risks with the yog terriers is that they use as, because they use them as den dogs with foxes, 
I mean, it's, it's hard to find a more effective, effective den dog because they'll go in there and they're just, they, they go in there just ready for war and they'll run a fox out of there in seconds. Oh, yeah. But if you're unlucky and you get one down there and it's not, the fox is not alone, there's a badger down there, that's when things get gnarly. And uh, so a lot of people won't use them because, uh, you know, if, if you're going to go, if you're going to test who's more angry and stubborn, a badger or a yacht terrier, uh, I think it's going to be a coin toss pretty much every time because they're uh, they're both yeah. pretty tough customers. We used to call them devil dogs. Yeah, that's a good name for them. Well, <laughs> oh, because man, they were you. One time we had a pair of puppies that came out of uh, British Columbia, and uh, my wife picked them up the airport. I was at work, whatever, and uh, Samantha was playing with them on the uh, in the Florida room, at, in, in, and uh, they got tangled up in her hair. She had long curly hair. Mm-hmm. And the two pups got tangled up in there and she was sitting out there. They were about seven or eight weeks old and she was out there screaming, mom, mom, help. And she'll, she'll, she'll remember that if she's listening. I don't know if she's in there or not yet, but uh, she's yeah, listening. I can see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had some good ones. I had some real good ones. Uh, did, remember that, Sam, when those dogs got tangled up in your hair? Oh, I remember. <laughs> they, were, they were a handful. They were a handful. Yeah. They were good dogs. So Barry, uh, you, you sounds to me like uh, you know the lynx thing for you. I I don't know. You know, you drove the roads all winter and found no lynx tracks. It doesn't sound like a dog would get much work that way. Yeah, potentially. You know, probably not. Um, you know, not not right where I am. Um, there used to be. The issue was is that uh, there used to be quite a bit of. Um, Quite a bit of um, I'm blanking on the name ptarmigan. Yeah, and and there used to be quite a few roe deer. And then the population of both of those things in this area collapsed and the lynx just moved on. Oh, sure. But now uh, the ptarmigan are still really struggling because of the foxes. There's, there's an un- insane amount of fox uh, in this really? area. Really, really bad. Yeah. Are you going to um, run fox? I do run fox. Yeah, I run fox with, uh, I run fox with both of my other hounds and I'm getting this plot started on foxes uh, as, as well, just to have something to, you know, I, I want to do the links, but the links, the links season is from, uh, is, is only a couple months long. So I want him to have something else he can run. And he's such a kamikaze at this point that I don't want to put him on bears and I don't want to put him on hogs because I think he's going to get himself hurt. You have hogs? Uh, uh, we've got hogs in Southern Sweden. I've got a, one of my best pals is, uh, lives down in Southern Sweden and runs a guiding service down there for, um, for, uh, those, those big razorbacks, those big Russian. Yeah. 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 And they're, uh, Jeez. boy, they're, they're, they're gnarly. You know, I've seen oh, you know, yeah. done the feral hog thing and they're, they're, they're pretty sketchy, but these, these razorbacks, they're, they're, they're bad, uh, they're bad man. There's something else. And I understood why. Wasn't it Von Plot that said uh, hunting hunting these Razorbacks with plots is the quickest way he knows how to out of the dog business? Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. So another uh, little that that that's exactly right. You know, like I said, they gotta be they gotta have that smart grit. And sometimes there's no option on a hog. I mean, a hog will tear a dog up quicker than anything. Uh, yeah. Just uh, the way it's just the way it is. I mean, that that's just the game. But it sounds to me like you got a good opportunity there to run Fox, uh, you know, pretty much year round. Huh? Yeah. The Fox season's long. It starts up in uh 15th of July and then goes until the 1st of April. So it's a good there long you, season. Go. So, Oh yeah. I'll run him on, I'll run him on Fox. Um, 
you know, in the, when there's nothing else to run, but I, I would like to get him the reason I got him and the reason I'm, and my, my goal is still to get him on to, um, to links. So I'm going to, I'm going to hunt some different areas, uh, this, this winter that I know have more links. Cause you know, they took, they took five or six of them, you know, within an hour of me east of here. And they took four or five of them within an hour of me south of here. So, I mean, there's, Wow. There's plenty of them around. They just weren't in the area that I was hunting. Just, just have, just have to find them. Do you ever get, do you ever get back over here? I try to, it's actually been a while. Uh, now the last time I was over there was in 17. Um, cause I was right before I was going to come back. I try to get it back once a year, right before I was going to come back in 18. I hurt, I, I fell off of a roof, uh, and ended up in the hospital and oh, operated boy. on and a bunch of stuff. And then once I was well enough to travel after that, um, this whole COVID party started and um, I haven't been able to make it back since. So I'm hoping to make it back. I'm hoping to make it back next year. Um, yeah. yeah. Maybe someday we'll have to hook up for a cat hunt. That would be, that would be unbelievable. I would love to do that. I'm going to, I've got this long list of guys and I'm looking at the list. And the funniest thing is that uh, it, you know, it's, it's people I want, people I want to visit. And, uh, you're on that list, Mark, uh, Mark Dufresne's on that list. And I was looking at a couple of the other people on the list and it's like, you know, there's an awful lot of plot people on this list. <laughs> there is a lot of, yeah. Yeah. There's some, there's some good plot people around, you know? Oh, and there that, is my, the, it's funny. Uh, right after I moved out of the, uh, out of Stowe where I, where I lived, um, right after I moved over here, not many months later, a guy moved in next door to where I, to where I grew up, uh, where my folks live. Um, and he's got a big kennel of plots and uh, a guy named, I always forget his name. Lawrence Perry uh, is my, is the neighbor uh, to my folks. Um, so there's a bunch of plots, right? Right where I grew up and I never, I've never seen him. <laughs> Are you still there, Sam? Oh yeah. 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 Yep, yep. I lost right you there here. for a second. Yep. No, no, I'm hanging right in there. No. So. Yeah, it's um. But are now you? I, what are you guiding? Are you still doing guiding when the it's not bear and cat season? Like, what else are you? Do you do moose no. and fishing and that kind of stuff? I do not. Everything is done. Everything that I do is with treeing hounds. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. either bear or bobcats. Gotcha. That that's it. You know, uh, and I and only on a selective basis. I used to uh, run for an outfitter, and mm -hmm. and that's what I prefer to do. And that way, I pick up the sport in the morning. I drop, I hunt him all day and bring him back to the outfitter in the afternoon and then he can feed him and bed him. Right. Yeah. So, that's not so your problem. Sure. That, then, and that, and that, that helps me a lot too. Uh, but yeah, on a selective basis, I'll take a number of cat hunters in the wintertime. And, uh, and again, I, it's a small window because I, I like to have my hunters on call for cats. So if I call you up and I say, bear, listen, it's, it's a Saturday. We're going to get a storm Sunday. Can you be here for Monday morning? Can you be here Sunday night? Yeah, mm -hmm. I can do that. I can do that. As mm -hmm. opposed to guiding for a date. Once you book a date and you're locked into that date, if it rains every day and it crusts over, we're all done. We're right. gonna play. We're gonna play cards in camp. Right. <laughs> so I'll, I'll give I'll give you that option if your vacation is the second week in February and that's the only time you can come. But what I really prefer to do is have you on call so that I can give you a good hunt get there right and that sure, and sure. that and and so now we're we're codependent on on snow conditions right what um can you talk a little bit more about snow conditions because that's something that i've talked <laughs> to 10 different people over here 
about that because you know most of it it snows early here in norway you know we get snow in october and you know it stays until april you know so uh, there's a lot of our hunting season happens in the snow but for every 10 people i talk to i get 10 different opinions about what uh what you know what good conditions are bad conditions are i'd be interested to hear what you thought your thoughts are about that well, snow conditions, now we're talking strictly cat hunting now. Mm-hmm. And snow, snow conditions are everything, all right? And it's important to understand a whole bunch of scenarios. One, and most importantly, is if you have crusty snow that your dog is going to break through on, you don't hunt then. You just don't do it. You don't put a dog down on crust, no matter how hard or how bad you want to hunt or what the situation is, you forget about that. Because if right. he's going to break through and cut his feet up, that could put him up for the rest of the winter. You don't want that to happen. So I avoid crust in most cases. Now, sometimes um, it's a it's a it's not a it's not a foot cutting crust. And in that case, yeah, we can do something. However, crusty conditions will prevent you from finding a cat track for one thing, because they're not going to leave a track on crust. Uh, the other thing is the type of types of snow. See, I'm always, you know, when you're hunting plot hounds, you have an advantage, in my opinion. For example, when I put a dog on a cat track, regardless of the age of that track, if it's a cat dog, he's going to take the track. Okay, so scenting conditions don't play as big a part for me with my hounds as they would for some people. Because that's just an excuse on page 320 in the excuse book, subparagraph one. Well, the snow was too wet. (laughs) The snow right. is too dry. The snow is too this or too that. Now, right. you need another dog. Okay. Not another dog, but a better dog. Right. So, <laughs> so er, early in our season, which we'll call December for now, is a great time to hunt because normally you don't have to deal with crust. If you get any snow at all, it's only going to be a skipper, a little bit, maybe an inch or two. That's not going to harm your dog. So early in December... And the, through the month of December, for the most part, you don't have to deal with, you don't have to deal with crust. Right. Um, but w- some of the things you do have to deal with is when it did snow. For example, I check the same roads over and over again. If I'm not going to have snow for 10 days and I can check the same roads over and over again, I can determine whether there's a cat track there or not. Mm-hmm. It wasn't there. It wasn't there on Monday. It was there, it was there on Wednesday. Then we got a fairly fresh track. So uh deep snow uh cats don't move as well as they do on lesser amounts of snow mm-hmm. they'll get in they'll get into a feed area a rabbit thicket a deer yard and they'll still spend some time there before they have to move anywhere so you're less likely to find a track okay um as far as the 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 wet sticky snow uh the reason that i don't like it sometimes is because if snow is melting off the trees and it's covering up the cat tracks. So a hound that sight scents goes by sight as well as scent or yep. in conjunction with scent. He's not, it, it can all look like holes in the snow once you get there into a thicket someplace. Right, right. So right. Uh, snow, snow I, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm hitting on some of the points that you're talking about. Absolutely. This is, uh, no, absolutely. This is, uh, this is exactly what I wanted to, what I was. I want uh, I wanted to. I want it to snow. I want it. I don't want it to snow until eight o'clock Monday morning, and then we go hunting. I'd rather have it snow 
till eight o'clock Sunday morning. And then they've got all Sunday night to move. Right. Yep. Okay. That, so that, that makes that, sense. Yeah, absolutely. That's my ideal situation. However, sometimes I've seen it stop snowing at eight o'clock in the morning and find a track at 10. Yep. So, but the probability of finding tracks, and remember, a lot of times we're going on percentages and probabilities, is the longer that snow is down, the more opportunity there is to find a track. Right. Are you able to, Are during the wintertime, are you able to drive uh, in your truck most places, or do you have to make transition over into uh, snowmobiles after a while? Well, I, I use both, and as long as I can travel by truck, I do. And of course, depending on when the heavy snows come, usually I can get through the month of December and sometimes into January before I switch over to snowmobile, mm -hmm. which is which is not a bad thing because you've now eliminated probably 60 percent of your competition. But when you once you hit the snowmobile trails, you've opened up a whole new whole new mass of tra tra transportation that, you know, that you, other people can't get to. Right, right, right. So you, so, so now you've got literally hundreds and hundreds of miles that you can travel by. And I have a good setup on my sled. I have a, a tundra uh, yep. that that has a, a, a ski wideners on it of twelve inches, and then I haul a toboggan that's seventy five years old. It's about four feet wide and eight feet long, and a dog okay. box is mounted on top of it. So a lot of people will ask me now when you're traveling by snowmobile. You rather have the dog box on the snowmobile? No, I would not. I hmm. want it behind the snowmobile. That's why it's back there. If I wanted it on the snowmobile, then that's what I would do. And, <laughs> and, 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 and reason being, I've got lesser weight on the snowmobile. And when I want to check all these auxiliary roads off the main trail, I can do that regardless with less weight. Sure. So I, do, I, I have a, a, a quick disconnect on my uh, snowmobile on this, on this toboggan hitch. I'll have to send you some pictures of that. Yeah, I would love to see it. Yeah. Samantha, Samantha's probably got some. So it's a, a video. It's a spindle hitch. And, and what happens is the, the, the ring on the toboggan goes in the hitch. It's on. I lift yep. it off. It's off. Simple right. as that. Sure. And, uh, and that way I can leave the dog box and the dogs on the, on the main trail. And I can take all these auxiliary trails and look for tracks. Right. Come back out, hook on and keep going. Right. Uh, without without being encumbered by the extra weight on the back of the sled. Some people like to have the dog box on their sled. I prefer mine behind a sled. That's yep. just, that's just what I do. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, to me it does. I mean, I've been doing it that way all my all, all case. Yeah, I do. I do that. I, that's how I hunt by snowmobile when I have to. I prefer truck. It's warmer. <laughs> it's easier. Yep. But uh, I will go to snowmobile when I have to. Gotcha. Gotcha. What, um, what are the main, what are the, um, the land use laws like over there? Like, are you, are you hunting a lot of public land, uh, paper company land or is yeah. it pri private land that you kind of gotten, yeah. um, literally no restrictions. I mean, it's almost all either public or paper companies. So you've got, uh, endless amount of road systems. I've got uh, 90,000 acres of join my camp, which are paper company land, uh, warehousers, property that you have access to oh great so it's, it's very liberal you can literally go anywhere that's great and, yeah so it's, it's that's not an issue there's plenty there's plenty of there's plenty of places to go that's great and, that's great. and from my just, right from my right from my camp i load up the snowmobile or the truck and i'm hunting right from the driveway wow. so i don't i don't have to go anywhere that's a that's fantastic i mean that just makes life <laughs> so much easier doesn't it it's 
He sure does. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Any anything else you want to think of that we can talk about here? We will. Yeah. Well, it was. Uh, I mean, we've we've covered a lot. It's been. It's. Uh, I've just enjoyed listening to you talk. It's. It's been. Um, I was really interested in hearing more about your dogs. It, it's. It's cool to get a little bit of background on on them and where they came from. Where uh, I guess we could t- talk a little bit more about you. Where were you? Where were you born? I was born in the foothills of the Adirondack Mountains in a town called Gloversville, New York. Okay. Yep. And that's that's right. That's where I started. That's where I started hound. I mean, I was raised in those mountains, and then I was as a young man fishing and hunting up there. And I still go back there. Yep. I still go back. I still go back and and hunt that country uh, during training season. When we're not able to run here, I'll do. I will go up there. I still have family and friends there, so yeah, I I I, I go up there and uh, and uh, that's right. That's right. Originated from up there. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I've heard that the uh, what is it? What is it? The New York Bear Hunters Association. Well, remember now in New York, you cannot run off of baits. You can't hunt off of baits. Right. Um, excuse me. You can't hunt off the of baits. You can't hunt with dogs. Uh, the only way that you can hunt bears in the state of new york is to just free range go right. find one go bump find in, one. Bump but, into one but, but they do have a training season with dogs so you can train huh. in new york that's so strange but you can't hunt them with dogs wow that's it, what an odd yeah. what an odd thing yeah that that's yeah. really strange to me it's it's odd but it's very good because there's a lot of bears and the reason there's a lot of bears yeah. is there's a lot of cover forever wild New York. Uh, for example, the uh, the um, uh, Adirondack State Park is, you know, 100, 200 miles long or some, some such thing. So yeah. there's there's all kinds of but there's not a lot of roads either. So no. when you go up there, when you go up there and run dogs, you better be able to run yourself because you're going to have to you're going to have to transverse those mountains. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's it's the funny you know, when people ask me, you know, they ask me about places that I've been in, in, in the, you know, in the States and, you know, been, been kind of all over the place. And, and they ask me, well, what, what's one of the nicest places you've been? Like, and I said, oh, just in terms of natural beauty, I've got to go with, I've got to go with New York. And they look at me really funny because, you know, <laughs> they, they, people think of, you know, Manhattan, they think of New York and they think of Manhattan. And New York is such a beautiful state. I mean, it's unbelievable. Upstate New York is just, it oh, doesn't yeah. get any better. It's amazing no, up no. there. No, anywhere up there. Lake George and that country up there. I mean, yeah. it's just beautiful, those mountains. And, it's uh, unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and they, you know, the area that's forever wild where they haven't logged in forever. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's big trees, there's a lot of beach and oak, and there's just uh, plenty of food. And the bears aren't shot over baits, so they're they're, they're plentiful. Right. Uh, it's just a great place to great place to be. Uh, yeah. And uh, I, I like I like the fact it, it, to to at some point that they don't they don't shoot the bears over baits or or uh, they they don't hound them. It's a great place to go train if you need to need a place to go. You know. Sure, sure, sure. Are there other places that you travel to, to do any training? Do you cross the border into Canada and do anything up in Quebec or any that uh, area? No, the only, the only, no, uh, we do get close to, we get up into the Allagash area up in the Northern mm-hmm. Maine. And, and if they swim the river, then you're in Canada not because you wanted to go there. Right. Because you <laughs> up the, the, the bear wanted to go there. And the that's a sticky, there, yeah. Oh, that's a sticky situation. You got to go back to a border crossing. 
you have to, you know, a lot of, a lot of things. And now with COVID and the borders closed, it's probably a good area to stay away from. And I do. Sure. Yep. No, and that, I don't, I don't, I don't really, I don't have to go anywhere there because I hunt from my driveway. Right. So, uh, uh, you know, I, I, there's no real need to travel anywhere. I'm familiar with the roads. I've got contacts here. I've got help if I need it. Because remember, 90% of the time I run alone. Right. And, I, and I'm 75 years old and I got a pack of hounds. So a lot of different things can happen to you. And it's important that you maybe can make contact with somebody that might know where you are. Sure. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, absolutely. And, 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 and so, uh, yeah, I stay pretty close to home because I can. Right. How has your pack changed from, I mean, from say 50 years ago uh, with your first group of plots to now, like what's, are, are they, are they pretty comparable? Would a, would a dog from your pack 50 years ago slide right into your pack now? Uh, yes and no. Um, we, you know, years ago, uh, there were, they were more aggressive with each other than they are okay. now. Yep. I think a lot of that's been bred out of the dogs. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, because you obviously you don't want to have a fighting growly dog. And, and so they've been eliminated pretty much from the breed, uh, on all levels, no matter who the breeder is, nobody wants to breed dogs that fight or growl, uh, or are right. possessive with game. So, uh, they, and they were more so then than they are, than they are now, uh, ability wise, I had dogs then be comparable to the dogs now. Mm -hmm. As far as nose and treeing ability, grit, stamina. Uh, so, yeah, I think they could weave right in with the dogs that I have now. I think they're better now. If I was going to give it a, a, a percentage point, I'd say 60, 40, 60 being better and 60 now. So, yeah, okay. I, I, I do think they're better. And I think that uh, we as trainers and equipment got better, too. Um, we're better sure. now because of the advent of the e-collar and the, and the GPS systems that we're now using. I don't know if that you use them over there in Norway or we do. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. They, uh, the, the hound hound running is, is, is big over here. You know, most people do it on hair. Um, that is, that's what most of the hounds are going to be used for. Um, then there's quite a few people who do it on Fox and then, you know, there's, a, there's a few of us that do it on, on links. Um, and then, oh, you know, over in Sweden, they do it on bear. Uh, and so, so, we use, so the, use the Garmin. Yep. We use the Garmin's and then we've got a couple of other things like the, the, not another one called a track, the tracker, yeah. uh, and, yeah. a, and a couple of different things, but I, you know, the, the, the tracker has some fun doodads attached to it. You know, uh, you can get a microphone, you can talk to the dog and all this stuff, but it, you know, for my. For for my money, you know, Garmin is is the battery's going to last the longest, and it's going to be the one that's going to event. You know, when things go wrong, is going to get me my dog back. Right. Um, yeah. That that's that's of course most people here use Garmin, and, and it's mm. it's been great. It's been great. Um, you know, the antenna technology has improved substantially as well. Oh sure. Um, the, I don't know if you've ever heard of Extenda range antennas. Yep. With, yep. Uh, yep. With with uh, Wade, uh, and that, that I use that both on my uh, two meter radio and on my uh, on my Garmin receiver. He makes the antennas for both now. Okay, and uh, yeah, pretty happy, pretty happy with that product. That's great. What um, what was I going to ask you? I was going to ask you what. How often do you find yourself using the 
the e-collar um, on a, on a regular basis. I talked to a lot of people and it's, it seems like it's something that it's, it's almost like, um, at least for, uh, I'll speak for myself. For me, it's, it's a mental crutch in the, in the sense that I, it makes me a little bit more confident that I've got it there, (laughs) but I never, I never actually use it. Okay. I get that. Yeah. Because I'm pretty much of the same uh, same philosophy. In other words, I'm I'm if anything guilty of underusing it than overusing it, which to me is a big which is a big problem. <laughs> which, which is a big problem. People will say, you never use that thing. What do you, well, because I don't need to. When right. I need to, I have it there and I feel good about having it there. Right. Because <laughs> if a if a if a deer or a moose go across the road with my dogs on them, I'm pretty confident that I can take care of business right there. Right. And, 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 that, and that's, that's a good thing. That's right. better than your, not. Your, your weekend's not blown. Right. It's better right. to have it than not have it. Okay. And my dogs, I've trained all to the tone. So yep. same, when, when same. I tone, when I, when I tone them, I want them, they'll, they'll come. They know, and I don't use the tone for anything else. So if I'm making a correction of any kind, it's a vibrate. Yep. Or, or a very low impact electric, very low, like yep. next to nothing. If somebody didn't have, but I always use vibrate. So if they're on, if they, uh, if I call them to me, it's always with a tone. So they know that the only reason that they're hearing that tone is that I want them to come, whether it's in the yard or whether it's uh, a mile out. When I'm calling them, I want them to come. Sure. So they're looking for me when they hear that tone. Now there's no sense of tone in a dog that can't hear you. If he can't hear your horn or hear you, there's no sense of hitting the tone button. No, that didn't work. I'll go to a vibrate. No, that didn't work. I'll shock them. <laughs> right. Okay. You know, and, they have and, no idea and, where you are anyway. Right. Yeah. No, the, they, uh... they, they don't know where to go. Right. Okay? Exactly. They could go, they could, they could easily go in the wrong direction at that point. Right. So I make, I make sure that they're at least within hearing or at least tone them. So they may take their backtrack back to me. Yeah. That, yep. that, they, that they'll do. They know I'm looking for them. They're going to try to find a way back to me. That makes so, sense. But, but I, uh, yeah. Um, and I, I don't, I've never, I don't won't turn a dog without the, uh, without my tracking system on. And I use two. I use Garmin for uh, my GPS. And I also use wildlife materials for telemetry. Okay. But because of the, especially and especially when I go to New York, because of the, the mountains, uh, I could easily get them. I could even get them out of range, even with my extended range antenna. But I can pick if I had to. I'd get an airplane, and I can pick them up with my telemetry system. That makes sense. So, yeah. And and in that and in terms of time, I mean, my GPS is only going to give me you know maybe twenty hours, maybe twenty four hours, maybe thirty hours. But what happens after that? At least right. if I got that telemetry system on them, I've got two years. If I can't find them in two years, I don't want them back anyway. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, that makes because sense. By then, I spent all, I spent all my money looking for them. I don't need them anymore. That's right. They can uh, no. they can go somewhere. But else. yeah, and that and the only reason I don't put the telemetry system on is because I'm lazy. I know it's hard yeah. to believe, but it's true. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 you shouldn't you should put it on them each and every time. You right. should use both, and uh, and I don't. Sometimes I just don't, especially if I'm hunting locally. I know mm-hmm. the roads. Uh, I'm overconfident, and I don't put it on. But when that GPS system fails, and it will, yep. you've got a back. You've got a backup. Right. 
So all these guys that have these uh, telemetry systems sitting in a box under their bed, they might want to think about digging them out, charging them up and put them on the dog. It only takes an extra minute. Right. And then you got something. Yeah. I I did a video on that. I don't know if you happen to see it or not on the tracking systems. Yeah, and, I did uh, see that one. Yep, yep. Yeah, yep. And, and 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 you know, I do say use both, and sometimes I admittedly don't, and I know I should. And I've had collars that just simply stop working. I mean, oh it's sure, easier. I think we've we've it, all we've all everybody everybody has. They just quit for whatever reason. I've had bears bite through them. I've had bears bite through them and blow them up. I've had them come off the dog. I've had the signal just simply drop. In other words, every scenario you can imagine, because I'm doing it on a daily basis, has happened. Yeah. And if I had and if I had telemetry on the dog, it would sure help. Right, right, right. I mean, it's it's a it's an invaluable backup to have, you know. And and exactly. a little bit like a little bit like what we were talking about with the shot, you know, the the e collar is that, you know, the chances that you're going to use it, you know, they're slim, but correct. It's awfully nice to have it there when you need it. Exactly. And another thing is that I'm 110% sure I need that e-collar when I use it. Right. If I see, <laughs> if I, if I see off game go across the road with dogs behind them and I have, it doesn't mean they're running that game. That only means it looks like they're running that game. Right. And they, and they, and they may be, but they also may be on the game that they want. I've had moose and deer and coyotes and everything else come out in front of my dogs that they had nothing right. to do with. Incident. Samantha was there. Coyotes yeah. coming out in the, coming out the road in front of the dogs, 100 yards behind them, and I'm screaming, they're on a coyote, they're on a coyote. And yeah. sure enough, they were not. The really? Cat went, par- wow. cat, went par- cat went parallel with the road and crossed in front of us. <laughs> and uh, you just don't... Now, if then it was a little quicker on the trigger, they might have got some correction there, and that would have been terrible. Right. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, it, it's... I've been accused of being too willing to give the dogs the benefit of the doubt. That's that's me. And I I would much rather be that guy and walk walk away kicking myself for being like yep. yeah, I I let her yep. run a moose for six hours yep. instead of being the guy that shocks her off of you know exactly what I want what I wanted to be running right yeah. exactly the links that you took six months to find right exactly. <laughs> You know, I, so, I shock him and, off because I think he's running moose. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there's always another and there's always another day to shock him off the moose. Right. I mean, they're plentiful. So you didn't lose anything by being overcautious. Absolutely. No, but absolutely not. I just a, uh, I put out a video lost. of me uh, of me pulling him off of a moose track uh, <laughs> the uh, the other day. He was uh, he, he busted out of here and I, I heard I heard him make contact and I heard that sort of. <laughs> that, that nice long stride that crunch 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 and it was like yep that's a moose running through the woods and they were gone i needed to go up to the top of the mountain and head him off and i caught i caught him but he was uh he was pretty frustrated that i pulled him off that track <laughs> this is your plot this is the this plot, is yeah. plot yeah yeah see see one thing plots got going for them in my opinion they're smart and they, they learn they oh, learn so what smart. to do and they learn what not to yep. do. Okay. They take it now. This Sally dog has always had a stubborn streak. This this one I told you about that I got as a puppy from Dan yep. Blue. Yep. She yep. she had she had an independent uh stubborn streak. And I noticed it right away when I got her. In fact, we went a mile and a half into the mountains to get her. 
because she ran she ran loose up there in the mountains of Vermont till she was uh, uh, I, however old she was when I got her. Yeah, uh, I don't know six months old or so, and uh, and she would be out there with one of his old dogs just running around just doing whatever they do. I mean, and this this makes a dog. Okay, right. it also makes him independent. Sure, uh, we're just going to do what we want. Well, yep. When I got her and 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 molded that independence, it came out into being a nice, nice dog, top dog. That's great. So that experience of running loose up in those mountains, Valley. Yeah, I mean, oh, you, it's, you can't re, you can't replace it. You, you can't. can't and, and you can't. And I think that that's you know that's something that I, I talk to a lot of guys, uh, you know, that are getting into the sport here. And and I haven't been in the sport for very long, but you know, the I I ran sled dogs for twenty something years before I got into the hounds. And wow, you know, one of the things that I used to say with the sled dogs is that look, I don't need to, I don't need to do these long runs with these pups, but what I want is a lot of hookups. I want them to be out there a lot. I'm not, I'm never going to push yeah. them so hard that they're going to break. They're going to break, but I want them to be out there a lot. And I have the same yeah. attitude when it comes to my hounds. And a lot of guys that I talk to here are like, no, you know, I don't, I, there's always reasons to, there's always reasons to not go out. You're always going to be able to find a reason that's, you know, probably even a re pretty good reason not to go out that day. And yeah. my attitude is always like, yeah. well, a, a bad day out is still going to be better than a, you know, not being out at all. You know, ultimately, exactly. if that puppy goes exactly. out and does something insane, exactly. I'm going to be able to teach that puppy something. Whereas if we stay in to avoid putting him in a bad situation, I'm, you know, yeah. I, we haven't gotten any farther either way. Yeah. And that's no, always been exactly my attitude. Right. Yeah. You know, that's a great attitude to have. And, and you know, coupling that. And from the uh, sled dogs to hounds, I've always had a, a philosophy of you can't train a puppy tomorrow with game that you kill today. Right. <laughs> That's a great one. Yep. Yeah. And that, that, that I'll live by that, you know, because I'm not a killer. I you know that uh, somebody came to my uh, lodge one time. They go, hey, see, Sam, you've been a big hunter for a long time. Where's all your mounts? Right. And all my mounts are they're out in the woods. They're running. You know, right. those are my mounts. Uh, those yep. are my trophies, the game that's still running. And the and yep. reason being, I can go tomorrow and I can I can find a track or I can find a bear, I can find a cat, but I can't do it if I kill them. Right. And 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 that and and that's that's always been my belief. Yeah, will I kill some cats? Yes, I will. Will I kill some bears? Yes, I will. But the right. object is not to kill. The object is to make the dog better. Yeah, I, I absolutely I, agree with that. I had a guy, I had a buddy of mine, he's <clears throat> he's got this great big like man cave thing out in his barn that he goes and there's there is just a ton of stuff out there i mean he's had such a he's had he's had a fun career uh, as a hunter and you know he's got you know some african animals out there he's got a bunch of red deer a bunch of roe deer you know lynx bear just a bunch of stuff <clears throat> and uh, he came over to my house and was looking around and I've, the only thing I've got is a, is a bass that my grandfather caught on Lake Anabesicook <laughs> 40 years ago. And he's like, you spend so much time out there. What do you have to show for it? And I was sitting on the, I was sitting on the couch and I looked over at the plot and the plot looked over at me. And I was like, well, I guess we've got a bit of a different opinion about what a trophy is. I guess so. I yeah. guess so. You know. I'm pretty proud of my dogs, you know. I, I like I I'm not a dog jockey. I don't sell dogs. Uh, yep. I don't I don't normally part with them because by the time I get them up to be two years old, 
they've already accomplished a lot. If they're right. two years old, they're getting it done. Again, starting with the proper breeding. I right. mean, you, if you don't, if you start with nothing, you're going to end up with nothing. That doesn't mean you can't go to the pound and grab some dog down there and have it be a world beater because you can, but you might have to go to the pound a hundred times. Right. Yeah, and, absolutely. As a part, as opposed to starting with the right puppy once. Absolutely. Yeah. They, they, they all don't make it, honestly speaking, but most of the time, if you start out right, you'll end up right. Yep. I absolutely agree with that. If you put the time in, you do, you do your homework going into it. You know what you're looking for. You put the time in, it seems like, yeah. you know, what's, what's a great dog for me might be total garbage for you. But it, if it, you have an idea of what you want and you know how to get it, it seems like you, for the most part, you've got a pretty good, uh, pretty good chance of getting it. And I'll mention something else to you. This rabbit starting these dogs on rabbit. Yeah. It's harder work than bear or cat hunting. <laughs> is I mean, that right you're, you're, oh you're beating the pucker brush all day trying to jump rabbits out in front of them and put them on them and, right and, and and or maybe i've run with some beagles so we'd put the we'd put the beagles out there and then we try to get the puppies out in front so they can see the rabbit or riding the roads just at daylight to try to yep. find a rabbit in a row i mean all that stuff is harder than actually big game hunting for me i told sure. my buddy the other day i said you know paul i said jesus it's rabbit hunting stuff this is this is tougher work than, than bear hunting, and and I, I wasn't I wasn't kidding about it. It was a fact. I mean, I'm running myself ragged here this past uh, I don't know however many weeks because what I do is I'm running bears in the morning, tree a bear, bring the dogs back, hook them up, grab the puppies, and take off and go rabbit hunting. Yeah. And then and then get just before dark, I go back out again. Well, when you're up at four o'clock in the morning and it doesn't get dark till eight o'clock, I mean, this is a long day. Absolutely. And, uh, and yep. I, I, but, but I try to do it at least once a day and sometimes twice. Now to, it rained today. We had, we had that remnants of uh, Ida or whatever that hurricane was. It came through uh, the South. We had the sure. remnants of that. And uh, tomorrow, tomorrow will be a nice day and I'll be back out with the pups. That's great. And, and of course I, I didn't want to miss Gavin with you either, you know? So. Yeah. I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, both of you uh, taking the time to, to join me. I was really looking forward to uh, when, when Brett, when Brett sent me a message about it and, uh, it was just like, Oh, of, of course, these are, of, of course, I can't believe I haven't contacted you guys before now. Cause like I said, I've been a subscriber and I've watched your videos for, yeah, I think more or less since you started making them. And, um, <laughs> I, I really enjoy them. Um, well, I'm glad you mentioned that bear, because, you know, I gotta, my, my, uh, gotta give uh, hats off here to my darling daughter, Samantha because she's responsible for the whole YouTube thing. I mean, I, I don't, uh, I, I just send her the content. I right. send it to her in a shared album and she puts it all together. It's all her. I mean, all I do is have fun and she does all the work. I right. love it. Let's, uh, I want to talk to you for a second there, Samantha. Do about, I? about that. What, what was it that made you like grab onto this and be like this? Oh, we need to get this exactly. out there. Yeah. Okay. So I was up there for Thanksgiving one year and he wanted my husband to help him connect his iPad to his phone or his um, iPad to his TV so that he could watch YouTube videos on the TV. Sure. So my husband's like, sure, yeah, we can do that. So they get it all connected. And I realized the videos that he's watching are all YouTube hunting videos. Right. And I'm like, seriously? And I'm watching these videos and I'm like, dad, you could make these videos. Your videos would be way better than this. And, um, 
And so, so I sat down at my computer that, that same afternoon and I was like, we're going to create a YouTube channel. And while I'm here, we'll get some video and um, we'll start putting some stuff up. And that's how it all started. It was that Thanksgiving. I was looking at, I was lit. All I could hear were dogs barking in the house because he was right. watching all these hunting videos. And I'm like, <laughs> and, and they were just like really like shoddy videos, like homemade, you know, just no production value at all. Right. And I'm like, we could up the ante, like we could make some good videos. And, um, and that's how it all started. Right. Wow. That's, that's really cool. Were you, were you a part of the, I mean, apart from getting puppies caught up in your hair, what, uh, how much of this, how, how much of this were you a part of? How much, how, how often were you out? No, I was, no, no. So I, um, I wasn't really into the whole hunting thing at all. Okay. Um, that was so that was like kind of his hobby. I know my my little brothers would go out with him mm-hmm. um often, but never, never myself. And even now, I try to make trips up there as frequently as I can to get ultimately, I like to be able to go out on the hunts with him and get footage. Yeah. And you can always tell the difference between the videos. Um, you can tell when I'm there getting the footage, you know, and I have like the professional audio hooked up to him and right. The, and I'll, if I could go on every hunt, that would be like the perfect scenario. Like the YouTube sure. channel would be, you know, amazing, but, um, cause it's hard, you know, he's holding the dogs and oh, guns and GPS and I, I tried it for about, video. I tried it for about 10 seconds and was like, you know what, something's going to have to give. It's either going to be the hunting, the dogs or the camera. And it was, it was the yeah, camera. That, you can't uh, do it. You can't do it all. <laughs> no. No. no, it's, it's impossible. It, it's awful. It looks like I'm hopping around in the woods on a pogo stick when I have the camera. It's awful. Let me, let me ask you something. Let me yeah. ask you, do you, do you ever use a GoPro? I do. I've got a couple of them. Um, okay. I had a, I, I was starting up a YouTube channel. Uh, after some encouragement from um, a friend who's got a channel and I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but again, found that my focus was becoming more and more, it, 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 it was taking more and more of my focus, the production value. And, and um, it's, hard. it's hard. It's, and I felt like if I was going to get these uh, at that point, I had some young dogs. If I was going to get these young dogs really up and off the ground and doing what I wanted them to do, um, they needed to be my main focus uh, rather than the camera equipment. So I think it might be something I'll come back to eventually once my pack is a little bit, a little bit um, better than they are right now. But um, yeah, I mean, the GoPros are just, they're, they're, they're such a great, they're such a great thing. And I still bring them with me. You know, I still, I'll still stick one on, on myself just so I can go back and relive some good moments and things like that. But the, their, you know, the production quality is so bad that I, I'm not gonna, not gonna bother doing anything with the video. Uh, at least not in terms of a YouTube channel. Um, yeah, my my issue with the GoPro, and I, I just started using it this this summer, is that transferring the content to someone else without going through my phone. Yeah, I'm on Wi-Fi. Why can't I just somehow transfer <laughs> it? It takes I need so to long. I, I yeah, got to be a way to got to be a way to do it. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I I don't know either. I am a. Uh, I, I'm a troglodyte when it comes to this stuff. I, you know, the the guy, the guys and gals over at W have been so great. You know, Jason sort of walked me through this whole thing, and Shannon is just like, oh my gosh. Yeah, they're very, Thank, they're very good. They're amazing, and she, she's been doing all the editing and all of the putting together all the sound bites and and everything. And uh, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I wouldn't be able to do it without is, her. So thank you, Shannon. Is that who you? 
Is that who you go through? Yeah, uh, the W uh, W guys and, and Shannon's uh, works for W and does a lot of this production stuff uh, for them, and and she does it for me as well, which I really appreciate. Um, nice. I don't know. Nice. I don't know what we hounds people would do without uh, somebody to <laughs> hold our hands through behind the, the scene. Hold our hands through the hard stuff. Set, stick me out in a snowdrift with my hounds, and I'm going to be happy. But ask me to ask me to put together a video, and I'm going to be a miserable grump for the entire time I'm doing it. If anyone thinks that they can make a video and hunt and handle dogs all at the same time, you can't. Yeah, I'd like <laughs> to see him try. <laughs> you can't. I mean, you just can't. Now, Samantha has come with us on a number of hunts and done an excellent job up to and including a bear coming out of a tree and almost running her over. But she never missed a frame with that camera. It was I re- right on the whole whole thing. Is that the, the one where you where you kind of sh- shuffle out of the way and bump <laughs> yeah. into a birch tree and it back lands? Up and back oh up. my gosh, that was such yeah. that's such a great clip. Yeah, I'm backing up and and she does and she's filming this and it, and she's standing where the bear is running too and never missing a never missing a shot. I know you and kept it in the hunt. frame the whole time. It was amazing. that's money that's good stuff that's good stuff man (laughs) another time i had to pull her off a stream that the the ice was on both sides of the stream maybe a half an inch thick and she wanted to get out on the stream to get a video of piper taking a cold track down this brook i don't think that video is out yet is it sam no No, i I don't think it is i know you're working on it but uh, that was last winter. I'm just mentioning that. I'm just saying, okay. And 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 I had to pull her off. I had to pull her off the brook. I kept saying to her, Sam. I mean, I'm trying to. I'm worried about the dog, right? And I got to worry about her too because she's about ready to go into the stream. Sam, get back, get back. She wouldn't listen. No, no. Anything for the shot, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. People, people talk about, you know, you've got these, uh, some of these people that do this, uh, you know, do these self-filmed hunts, like the solo hunter guys, the, you know, Remy Warren and those guys, the production value and what they do is, is, is amazing. Well, Brett Brett is one of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. But I mean, lit, I was just going to say, he is the only guy I know of who was able to do that self-filming and hounds. And I mean, he's got mules on top of everything that, that, the that guy must be a he must have been a professional juggler in a past lifetime because what he's able to make happen with all of those balls in the air is really unbelievable oh it really is it really is yeah and and a lot of that a lot of that b-roll stuff i mean you could do if you were thinking about it but i'm thinking about finding the next track or the next strike or getting catching the next dog i'm not thinking about the b-roll no exactly that's that's why you need somebody who's not connected to the hunt yep. to do the, the videoing. Like absolutely. Samantha. Yep, absolutely. My my B-roll material tends to be the ground and you can hear me <laughs> you can hear me breathing like an obscene phone call in the background just as I'm running through trying to get get a, catch up to my dogs. No, oh, it's, it's uh, awful. It's uh no, that's great. So yeah, that's um you know the YouTube the YouTube channel was definitely what got me. You know, so that so that I knew who you were, and then I, I knew a little bit more who you were through the plots and stuff like that. But um, yeah, the the channel is great. You've done a really great job, both of you. But you know, definitely you, Samantha. Uh, the yeah, production the had- production value is is what sets that apart. What sets your channel apart, I should think. Thank you. Yeah, she does a good job. 
and she has fun with it. Wait till you see how much fun she's going to have with that cat on. That's going to really be good. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> I had to get my dig in. I had to get my dig in there. Well, listen, <laughs> it's been great visiting with you. Yeah, and, uh, I appreciate I, you guys both so much for coming on. And it was great talking to you. It's going to be, um, I had a lot of fun talking to you guys. I really did. It was good to hear some, uh, good to hear some familiar voices from, uh, from back home. It makes me, uh, makes me a little homesick. Yeah, stay in touch for sure. We'll definitely do that. We'll definitely do that. I'll let you guys know when this, uh, when this is coming out. Sounds yes. Like and if you could send us a link to your podcast as well. I will do that. We'll- yeah. Yep. I will do that for sure. All right. Y'all have a great, great day now. Likewise. Thank you guys right. so much. Thank okay, you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Man, I love that sound. <laughs>